Hi, this is Jim Lyon. You're listening to Viewpoint. With me today, Jay Harvey. How are you, Jay? I'm great. Thanks for having me in, Jim. Good to see you. Always glad to see you, Jay. And, uh, you know, we are living in a world that's turned upside down. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are so many challenges suddenly facing our town where you and I live and, and yes. the country that we call home. And even around the world, there's just a season, a pivot of change. We all know that. Mm-hmm. We're not sure where it's going to land, and we can't know what the new normal is going to be. Right. But I think there's a general sense. We're not going back to the way things were. Agree. One of those big, dramatic, sea change yes. moments in our culture has been the conversation about race mm-hmm. that has been provoked by some appalling headlines and and difficult stories Mm -hmm. and uh, famously the the death of George Floyd on a Minneapolis street Mm -hmm. by the knee of a police officer became a moment a snapshot that captured not just the tragedy of that man his life and all those who were involved but also a kind of window into a history Mm -hmm. and a a template that has to be talked about today Jay I know that you're uh, very interested in this conversation, and I am too, and we're so thankful to have with us Yes, Derek Grant. Derek, thanks for coming alongside. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Derek Grant, we are so glad to have you here. You are a guy that I have known for a while. Okay, let's full disclosure. Yes. I stood up with him and his wife and officiated at his wedding. So I have some knowledge about how this man's head and heart ticks. (laughs) Uh, And everything I've discovered over these years, Derek, has made me respect you all the more day by day. Thanks for coming into our conversation. No, absolutely. Thank you for having me. Um, When my wife asked me, when Carly asked me if I would be a part of it, she was asking in a way like, do you think you will? I'm like, no, you need to be asking what time do I have to be here? It's, it's a no-brainer, so thank you. Yes. Thanks, Derek. And and the reason we've invited you is not because, just because you're a smart guy and you, know, you got it together, you're articulate, and you're not intimidated by microphone, but because you also have a journey that's different than my journey and Jay's journey mm-hmm. in a way. We're all three guys here. We're all three married. We all three have kids. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are a lot of commonalities But there's one obvious difference in the studio that if anyone could see us would say, oh, wait a minute, Jay and Jim, they're the white guys. Yep. Derek, not so much. Right. Derek, you're an African-American guy. Where'd you grow up? What's home? What is home? That's a good question. People ask me where you're from, and I tell them New Jersey, right outside of Princeton, but growing up, I grew up all over the place. I was born in Virginia, then we moved to Maryland, moved to Pennsylvania, moved to upstate New York, moved down to Louisiana. That was that was interesting, to say the least. Uh, moved up to New Jersey, moved to Indiana, moved to Florida, came back to Indiana. So I, where am I from? I always say New Jersey, but I've been everywhere, lived everywhere. I've been to 70 different countries. But through all these experiences, I'm thankful because it's allowed me to gain perspective mm-hmm. yeah. of, of how the world is. I totally get that. Yeah. Well, 70 different countries. I mean, that, that's just a, an obvious segue into <laughs> uh, Derek's first chapter of adult life, which was uh, as a member of the Harlem Globetrotters team. I mean, this is no small thing. A Harlem Globetrotter? Right. Seriously? <laughs> you know your way around a basketball. Tell me about that. How did, how did that come to pass? Yeah, so I was seven years old. My parents... Let me give you a little background, a little context here. My parents both grew up in South Carolina during the Civil Rights Movement. So 
they grew up at a time when people like them didn't make it out of wherever they were. My dad was one of nine children. His father died when he was seven years old. He was the third youngest. His dad, his dad died when he was seven years old. His mom never remarried and went on to raise all nine by herself. He was the only one from his family to graduate college, to go to college and graduate. Uh, my mom graduated with her master's at the age of 21. Um, mm. She was one of three. She was the, the daughter of a sharecropper. Mm. So they come from humble beginnings, and they made it out of where they were from. And they, they, I remember they used to tell me this all the time. We want, you, we want you to be cultured. We want you to do things and see things that maybe people like you don't get to do. So the reason why I say that is because my parents took me and my brother to see the Harlem Globetrotters. And my mom was taking me to symphonies and going to stuff like, like she was trying to culture us so we would, we would have perspective. Well, one of her perspective, I guess you could say her, she was, she was trying to use the Globetrotters as a way to show us the world in another different light. Right, right. Well, I go when I'm seven years old and I fall in love with it. And uh, symphony, maybe not so much, but that hardwood, you're there. <laughs> yes. yes. I remember sitting there like, this is amazing. Like, look at these guys. Like, yeah. I had never played basketball. I didn't have a basketball. I played soccer up until that point. And they bought me this little mini basketball, Harlem Globetrotter ball. And I, I can still see it like it was yesterday. And I'm dribbling down the streets of Rochester, New York. Mm. It's probably 9 o'clock at night. I can see the car lights. And I'm dribbling down the street. And this was the love of the game that was implanted in me because my parents wanted to broaden our horizons. Well... That was my introduction to basketball. And I went on, like you said, went on to play through high school and college. Uh, and then I ended up playing for the Harlem Globetrotters for eight years. And this is just amazing how God works. In full circle, my last year on the team, I played in the same arena oh. that I had saw when I saw the Globetrotters 20 years before. Yeah. And That's I remember I, after practice got done, I went up and sat in the general vicinity of where our seats were. Yeah. And I just sat there and took it in like, yeah. Did you, That's did so in cool. that minute, did you look wow. around the stands and think, there's some kids up there who are watching me? Mm. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. And, I, and, and that just came to my mind, Derek, because you've been a person in the years I've known you who's very conscious of what you can do with your influence. And that's something that I don't take lightly because I think about the lives that have influenced me and the impact that they've had on my life. And... I'm thankful that God has given me the opportunity to do that for other kids, and I don't take that lightly because I myself have realized what people have done for me. Mm. So I, I think, well, yeah. yeah. I mean, this guy, Jay, yes. he not only played with the Globetrotters, he's been inducted into the Basketball Hall of Fame in Massachusetts. Phenomenal. He's one of the, those. I mean, this Phenomenal. is top-tier, best-in-class yes. on basketball. Yeah. As you've described your life, Derek, I mean, you've had, in a way, a charmed existence in the sense that you have parents devoted to you. They've worked hard. They have themselves achieved success by most measures in this country. They wanted to make sure their children had a doorway to success as well and to more. And you've, you've lived it and you seized it and you, you've owned it and... It's all for the good. Today, you're a trainer of elite athletes. You're a motivational speaker. You're a guy who can walk into a room and have every head turn and say, well, that guy has mm -hmm. got it together. So I, mm -hmm. I, what I'm saying is, so what's the problem? Yeah. Why isn't everyone able to get to where you are, no matter what our race, creed, or color? What's your story? As a man 
who is black, who's had a lot of success, have you yourself found that it's not just so easy as it looks? No, absolutely not. Because people, people always say to me, well, you know, racism doesn't exist or racism, you know, there's, there is no racism. I say racism is still here. It just doesn't look like it looked when Martin Luther King Jr. was around. It mm-hmm. doesn't look like what my parents, there was, there's not a sign on the, on the, my mom was telling me the other day how when she would go to the dentist, there was an entrance for colored, there was an entrance for white. Right. Right. We'd sit in the same lobby, right. but we'd have to go through different doors. While no racism does not look like that, now racism has manifested and morphed itself into maybe mm-hmm. less obvious ways, whether mm-hmm. it's mass incarceration mm-hmm. through systematic oppression, things that you ever see. I don't know if you've seen these. Uh, they're pit vipers or in the in the sand in in, in uh, the desert mm-hmm. in Africa. When you look at the sand, you don't see anything. Mm-hmm. Right, but then you really look close and maybe you move a little. Wow, there's something. There's actually right. something lethal there, and that's what racism is today. Like I used to think, and I'm, this is me. I'm telling you as a black man in America, and it took me educating myself. If I'm being honest and vulnerable, I had to dig a little deeper because I'd mm. say, oh well, you know, one in every three black men are in prison. Well, if you haven't educated yourself, you'd say, oh well, that, you know, one well, that one guy is probably doing something dumb he shouldn't have been doing. Right. But then you actually look back, <laughs> right. and this is why I tell people it's so important to learn the history of this country. Mm-hmm. You will see that slavery hasn't gone away. It's just morphed into something that's maybe deemed legal now in mass right. incarceration. And this is why it's so important of all races to understand that you have to educate yourself. Because if you don't, you won't realize that there are systems in place to keep people of color from right. prospering right. at the same rate or level that someone who is not of color is. Right. And and I would just say that uh, the mass incarceration is something that, I, I, to be honest, three or four years ago, I would not have understood or believed. But part of my ministry is working in prisons. And that really kind of got really intense in the last three years. So I've been in 100 prisons now in the last three years. And I've also read The New Jim Crow, uh, which is which speaks to this issue. And I've seen it firsthand. Now, yes, if you're a, a black male in the United States born after 2001, uh, it's actually about a 36% chance you'll not only spend a night in jail, you'll spend considerable time in jail. So there, there has to be something systemic in that when I can look at a group of black men born at a certain age and, and predict their future. That's not equity. That's that's systemic. Something's wrong. Now, what I'd like to say to that is a lot of people don't dig deeper, like you said. And so they're not bad people. They just don't dig deeper. And so uh-huh. how, do we ha- how do we start that conversation? People make judgments based on that data. Exactly. Without digging down to understand, to understand why it. is that the outcome. Right. We just make a superficial judgment. Derek, you were suggesting systemic, baked-in things in our culture that lead to a modern kind of slavery through mass incarceration, for instance. You know, and I think most people would hear that, just as you were reflecting, Jay, as a white guy, you got involved in prison ministry and started to have your eyes open. But if, if we're not visiting prisons, if, if, right. that, if that's a world removed from us, right. uh, then, well, I don't know. I'm sure you're a nice guy, Derek, but come on. Uh, nobody's trying to enslave black people today. That's, that's old news. I'm going to guess that uh, a lot of this systemic 
challenge is not overt in the sense that people are consciously designing systems that way, but it is a subliminal outcome of attitudes and perceptions and kind of default reactions uh, to the people we pass by in the street and so on. As a guy who grew up black in America, have you yourself, uh, as I've often heard, been told, you know, if I get stopped by the police, I got to handle myself differently? I mean, is that a real thing for Derek Grant? Absolutely. And I was just telling my wife this the other day. And my wife is, is white. You don't realize, my dad used to tell me, he said, we grew up, we were poor. We were poor, but we didn't know we were poor. Mm. We had no idea because that was all we knew. When, you've, when you're black in America and this is the only perspective that you have, you don't realize how crazy it is that you have to like when i see a cop behind me i make sure when i get if i get pulled over i make sure i take out my wallet i get my registration i'm doing everything before the cop gets there mm-hmm. so that way i can just sit here and he can see my hands the whole time mm-hmm. and that sounds crazy if you have not lived that and my wife perfect example we 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 were driving to go visit my parents out in new jersey and i got pulled over and the cop starts walking up on the passenger side and I'm just like, oh no, mm. no, this isn't, this isn't good. My wife doesn't, she doesn't she, think she's not alarmed it. at all. No, not at all. And he comes up and he comes to her window. He said he asked her for her license. And she, but you're behind the wheel. But I'm the one driving, and she thinks this is really weird. I'm like, oh boy, this isn't, this isn't good. This is what my parents have talked to me about. This is not good right now. And it's a state trooper. And then he he looks at me and says, I need you to step out of the car and come to the back. And I'm just like, man, this is, this is not good. I just, what I'm thinking as I'm walking to the back of the car, and I get to the back of the car, and I'm 6'2", and the guy was probably 5'8", five, 5'7". Five, so I tower over him, and this is where I have been, this is what my parents have taught me. I have to be aware of his perspective of me right now. I am intimidating to him right now, whether it's because of prejudices or the way he was raised or there's just fear because I'm a bigger man than him. I have to be aware of this, and my reaction to what he says and does has to, you know, have be cognizant of this. So he asked me, he says, "What do you what do you do for a living?" First, he asked me, "Is this my car?" At the time, I was driving a fairly expensive car, and he says, "Is this your car?" And I'm like, "Yeah, it's my car." Okay. He said, "What do you do for a living?" Yeah. And then I said to myself, "I said that doesn't have anything to do with why you pulled me over." Has if you pulled me over for speeding. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. So I told him, I said, well, I play, play basketball for the Harlem Globetrotters. And his tone, his facial expression, his demeanor changed immediately. Like, mm. like right. he became, like, oh. instead of being threatened, he was now a fan. Right. And he let me go. He said, okay, just be careful. Just, you know, yeah. slow down. I got back in the car. My wife was shaken up because she's like, I've been pulled over. I don't know how many times. My father has been pulled over. I don't know how many times. I have never seen a cop ask somebody to get out of the car and come to the right. back. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm, as you're talking, I, I'm thinking, wow. not that I just want to admit that I've had some speedy tickets. Okay, yes, full disclosure, I, had true. some. Never ever would anyone, has anyone asked me anything except show me your license. Derek, as you uh, are getting back in your car... Um, as you're processing what for you was not necessarily surprise was for your wife, I know that you're a man of faith because your your folks did not only gift you with opportunity, but they also are people of faith. And you you understand the power 
of, of being a believer in Jesus and, and how that can be transformational. But as you, as you are just like walking back to your car or, or you're facing anything in your ordinary life, which you've just given us one picture of what is a lifetime journey, how do you find that in the scripture? Or is there a text that speaks to you about, boy, how am I going to make this work? And how do I raise my kids up to be better than that too? Yeah, First John uh, 4.20 is what comes to mind. And whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. That's what comes to mind. It, prejudices, racism, discrimination, sexism, whatever it is, to be a believer, God says to love all, right? Love thy neighbor. He didn't say like, okay, well, only if they look like you or only if they talk like you or go to the, or the same political affiliation. No, God said, love thy neighbor. And this is what I'm trying to, because if I'm being honest, I used to be scared to say, like Jesus is the solution. I used to be scared to say that because in my mind I'd say, well, not everybody's a believer. And then the Holy Spirit, just just this Sunday, Pentecost Sunday, just this Sunday, the Holy Spirit said to me, that does not negate the fact that I am still the solution. That's right. Yeah. Just because they don't believe, right. that doesn't mean that I'm still not, you know, one plus one will always be two. <laughs> right. Just because he over there doesn't think it's two, I'm still it's still mm. the same answer. So mm. that's why now I've I've kind of I've made it my life mission to use the gospel as the driving force to use Jesus as the, the the sitting next to me in the cockpit driving this because that's the only way we are going to make change. Mm. That's the only way. Jesus yeah. is the solution. Yeah. Well, and and I've heard you say before, Derek, that you've talked to your own children. They're like ages five and seven, I think. And uh, as you talk to them, you're helping them understand. I love God, but I can't see Him but I love him, and I need you, my children, to understand that truth. But in the same way this verse is speaking, what I'm hearing you say is, if I can love God who I haven't seen, I need to start with love when I see the guy in front of me without categorizing them or putting them in a box or making judgments about them because of the way they walk, look, talk, or move. That's it. That's it. And how can I love God if I can't do that with my neighbor? I, I challenged people. I, I tweeted this the other day. I said, just try this. Try this for five days. Five days of your life. That's it. Five days, a, a business work week. Love all things in rhetoric, behavior, and thoughts that Jesus loves. Mm. <laughs> condemn all things in rhetoric, behavior, and thoughts that Jesus would condemn. Do this without fear of being how you will be viewed. Right. Or whether you'll be accepted, because at the end of the day, this is what Jesus did. Right. Right. Right is right is right, and wrong is wrong. And that include. And here's what we do as humans sometimes. If, if I'm being honest, we like to twist and contort and make things convenient for us. Mm. What's comfortable at my what's comfortable? Space. Yeah. Yep. So like, I preach the gospel, and you know I'm a Christian, but then, yeah, but you know, and I and I've had. Uh, conversations with African Americans, you know, with everything going on, I tell them, if you are who you say you are and you're a believer, while yes, I know this is the injustices are frustrating and makes you angry, your reaction has to warrant a reaction that would make Christ proud of you. Amen. Yeah. Period. Yeah. Period. Like, I just I just got off the phone with somebody who was coming in here, this kid who I mentor, and he's a young African American, 
And he's saying he's being attacked by his own community because he's saying, like, mm. even though we're being treated this way, we still have to come from a place of love. Mm. And he is being, he's like, someone said to me, since when did you stop being Christian? Mm. Somebody told, somebody said that to him and it hurt him. And I told him, I said, your reward is not here on earth. That's right. Your reward is in heaven. Mm. Your father sees it all. Right. So I told him, I said, actually, that is actually a blessing to be persecuted on behalf of Jesus. Stand for the truth, yes. but do it with love. Yes. There you are. Mm. Yeah. I mean, wow, Derek. I mean, this is a whole other program. Oh, guess what? We're going to have Derek back next week, too. Good. That's good. <laughs> but right now, to. wherever you are, whatever your story, whatever your angle, whatever your perception of the news, the headlines, the world, the streets, your neighbors, no matter what their color might be, right now, know this. There's no way forward without Jesus. There's just no way to fix this without Jesus. And we're inviting you, whoever you are, wherever you are, just think about Jesus. And I love what Derek said. You know what? If we would just love what Jesus loves, if we would just admire and reflect what Jesus does, but also condemn those things that he would condemn, if we just did that every day for five days, the whole world may not be changed, but the world you walk in will be changed for the good. You can start right now with us because, first of all, you've got to get connected to Jesus. You've got to learn about him. You have to be able to open your head and heart to him. You can do that. Start with us right now by praying. Dear Father in heaven, we want to thank you first above all things for Jesus Christ the Lord, for this one who came into this world and allowed us to see you. Because when we see Jesus, we see God. And when we listen to Jesus, we hear your heart. And when we follow Jesus, we get into your will. And we thank you for the work of Jesus on the cross, undeserved, but the way in which he took our junk and put it on himself so that we could be free to follow him, to be with you. We thank you for all of that. And in this world we walk right now with so much turmoil and so much tension, help us to be Jesus people. Lord, we admit that we are failures on our own steam, that we can't do it right ourselves. We ask you to forgive us for all of our fumbled balls, and we pray that you will make us new, recreate us, give us the mind of Christ, and fill us by your Holy Spirit that we might, in fact, follow Jesus, and in so doing, change the world. We pray in Jesus' name, and for his glory alone, amen. Now, if you'd like to know more about how you can get in touch with Jesus, give us a call. Dial this number, 1-800-757-VIEW. That's 1-800-757-8439. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, we're on it, and we want to talk to you. We also want you to know you can go online to uh, our website. What's that called, Jay Harvey? Well, if you want to uh, contact us through the website, it's www.cbhviewpoint.org. CBH, Christians Broadcasting Hope, that's exactly who we are, cbhviewpoint.org. Check us out online, send us a message, we will reply. Maybe you're accessing this conversation today online. Maybe you're on Facebook right now. Just send us a note through the messaging function of Facebook. We'll, we're watching it. And we also want you to know you can use the post office. Just write me a letter, address it to Jim Lyon, Viewpoint, Post Office Box 2420, Anderson, Indiana, 46018, USA. But whether you call us up on the phone, check us out online, talk to us through social media, or use the post. Let us hear from you this week. 
Derek Grant, thanks so much for uh, speaking to us. Mm. This conversation could have been really, really hard. Yes. You made it easy. Mm -hmm. I want more. Me too. Thank you. We hope you'll be back with us next week. Jay Harvey, always glad to see you. Thanks. Thanks for having me. And for all of us at the Viewpoint Ministry team, for all of us at Church of God Ministries, which is the host of our broadcast, this is Jim Lyon. Stay tuned.